Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, what do you think? Yeah. If you knew how hard I'd worked in here. There are so many people to thank. Uh, I, I know I'd leave somebody out. just want to thank everybody in general because this has been a week of really pushing hard to get everybody in here this week and, and so grateful that we have. Still a lot to be done. Of course, you're not sitting in the, in the, in the seating yet that we'll have here in a few weeks, but uh, things are really moving along. Uh, Irving Clay is here from All Pro Sound. Uh, from the lighting, and thank you so much for everything that you've done to get it together. Gethsemane Church, uh, our, our Hispanic church partner that meets here, uh, came in and, and helped setting up most of the sanctuary with, the, with the, the chairs and everything. So really appreciate them doing that as well. And uh, just uh, really excited uh, to, to be back in here. You know, if they put pictures of me on the screens, you could see me like in Technicolor uh, now or something. So that would be really exciting, wouldn't it? All right, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. Hey, take out your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We started last week a sermon series called A Christmas Carol. And we all know about Ebenezer Scrooge. He was uh, not the best guy to be around. And because of that, he was haunted by three ghosts of Christmas. And last week, we looked about the ghost of Christmas past and talked about how our past can sometimes cause us guilt and shame and regret and how Jesus... Uh, overcomes those ghosts of our past. And this morning, we're going to look at the ghost of Christmas present. The ghost of Christmas present. That's right where you're living. That's right where you are right now. What are the ghosts that are haunting us today? And as we start, I just want to show you a real short clip here of Ebenezer Scrooge and his encounter with the ghost of Christmas present and how it wasn't a real uh, uh, pleasurable encounter for him. Forgive me, but... I see something strange and not belonging to you there, beneath your robe. Is, is it a, a foot or, or a claw? It might be a claw for all the flesh there is on it. Look. Look. Spirit, are they yours? No, they are man's. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware of both of them, but most of all, beware the boy. For on his forehead I see that written which is doom, unless the writing is erased. If you deny him, slander those who tell others about him. Admit he exists, but do nothing about it. Then doom will engulf you all. Are there no shelters? No charities to help them? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? So the ghost of Christmas present was haunting Scrooge, and the ghost of Christmas present still haunts us today. We're going to look over Matthew chapter 1, and there's an interesting passage of Scripture. It has to do with a young man by the name of Joseph. He was a carpenter. And uh, our Scripture begins in verse 18, and the first thing we see is this. All of us have ghosts in the present that haunt us. 
So you have this young man named Joseph. We're told in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, right from the start, we have this young man, Joseph. He's a carpenter. He's pledged to be married to a young woman by the name of Mary. Uh, everything seems to be great there. Uh, in, in the English, in the NIV, is the word pledged. In the King James, the word betrothed is used. Sometimes we think of that as, well, they were engaged. But this was more than what we think of as engagement. Because in engagement, you can break the engagement off and, and uh, maybe you get to keep the ring and they get mad at you or something. you know. But, but you can break an engagement off and there's no uh, serious ramifications. But when you were betrothed in this day and age, it was different. Because marriage wasn't like today where you just have this romantic thing where two people fall in love. It was more of a, a deal between two families that had come together. And so when you were betrothed, there was a dowry that was actually paid, kind of the price paid for, for you to purchase the bride. And you paid that to the bride's family. And after the dowry had been paid, then you were officially betrothed. So you were technically married because the dowry had been paid. The ceremony hadn't taken place. You weren't living together. But you were technically married because uh, the, the goods and services had basically taken place at this particular time. So here are for Mary and Joseph, for all practical reasons, uh, this young couple now, they've been betrothed. They're basically married, waiting for the ceremony to take place. So what's the ghost then that haunts them? We'll keep reading in our scripture. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So Mary shows up pregnant. Now our scripture gives us a side note that Mary is a virgin. She's never been with a man. That uh, as a matter of fact, this is the work of God through his spirit that this is going to come about the birth of God's son, the Messiah. But let's say you're Joseph now at this particular time. All you know is that you're going to be married to someone. Uh, you've paid the, the dowry pledge. And then suddenly you find out that they're pregnant. You find out that they're pregnant and you know one thing for sure. You haven't been with them. If you know you haven't been with them, what's the next thing do you think? Is the next thing you think is, well, this has to be a virgin birth and the son of God's going to be born. Is you think that's what would come into your mind? Probably not. And that's not what the first thing that came into Joseph's mind was either. So what's Joseph think? She has obviously cheated on me. She's had sex with someone else. She's gotten pregnant. Uh, and, and so here's Joseph. You can't imagine how he probably feels. He's probably angry. Uh, he's probably jealous. He's probably really upset. And so the ghost of Christmas present, a problem he's having right now in this day, in real life, in real time has come upon him. And it's a ghost that haunts him. How does the ghost of this current problem haunt him? Because that's all he can think about. What am I going to do? Uh, I'm so angry. I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe that she's cheated on me. And so here is Joseph with this ghost of the present from this problem that he has, Mary showing up pregnant. It's not his child. And that ghost is now beginning to haunt him. And the truth of the matter is every person in this room have ghosts of the present that haunt us. Things going on in your life right now that causes your mind to race. You can't turn it off. It seems to always be with you. This isn't a regret from the past or a shame of something you've done or, or a, a consequence of a past behavior. This is a current real-time problem that you're having. 
And for most of us, they occur in one of three areas. Some of the ghosts we have in the present come from our relationships. Because relationships are things that hit us all the time. It might be a bad relationship with someone romantically, uh, something that's turned sour in a, in a marriage or something like that. It might be a relationship with your children. Uh, I talk to people all the time. There, there, there's friction and, and, and things that go on in family relationships that sometimes pull families apart and become those ghosts. It might be relationships with friends, relationships at work. How many times have you stood off talking to somebody and they tell you, man, I just hate going to work. You know, everybody at work's a jerk or something like that. I'm the only one that's not, you know, out of the entire workforce or something, something like that, you know. And so you have all of these people having all of these ghosts that come from our relationships. So we have ghosts of the present from our relationships. We also have ghosts from the present that have to do with the quality of the life that we're living. Maybe you're looking at your life, and for many of us, we're just never quite satisfied with where we are or with what's going on in our life. If I just had a little bit bigger house, if I just had a little bit nicer car, if I just made a little bit more money. How many times have you ever heard somebody say that? I would finally be satisfied with life if I just had a little bit more money. What happens when you get a little bit more money? You immediately spend it, and then you think, if I just had a little bit more, then it would be okay. And so this quality of life, these issues that come from that, never quite satisfied with where we are, with what things are going, always wishing we have more ghosts of the present. And then there's ghosts of the present that just come from the problems and the troubles we have. Every person in this room have different problems and troubles. Some may come from our health. Some may come from from financial situations or our job or whatever. But we have current problems that are hitting us that keep us up at night and we have ghosts of the present. So all of us have ghosts of the present. Joseph definitely had a ghost of the present. It is, what am I going to do about this situation with Mary showing up pregnant? And that brings us to the next thing that we see in our, circum, in our scripture. So what do we do with the ghosts we have in the present? Most of us handle the ghosts we have in the present in, in a very real, logical way. We do the best we can to confront those ghosts. That's what we do. Well, I'm going to do the best I can in whatever way to confront those ghosts. That's exactly what, David, or David, what Joseph does in our scripture passage. Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So what would your reaction have been if the person that you were engaged to showed up pregnant and you know it, knew it wasn't your baby? Anger, jealousy, you're wanting to get back at them, uh, you're going to, to, to uh, uh, publicly disgrace them by going to social media or, or, or something like that. You know, what's your reaction when something like that happens? Well, our scripture tells us that Joseph was a good guy. But more than a good guy, we're told in verse 19, he was righteous. Now, what's it mean to be righteous? That's a big theological term. So, so get out your pen and pencil. I'm going I'm to explain some theology to you here. Righteousness in this situation means he wanted to do the right thing. Okay? Deep theology. Who wrote it down? Okay. He's wanting to do the right thing. He's a good guy, and he wants to do the right thing. And so he, he starts thinking, what's the best thing for me to do in this situation? What's he doing? He's got a ghost of the present, and he's trying to handle it the best he can by confronting it. He's a good guy. 
So he decides, I don't want to publicly embarrass her. She's hurt me. Uh, I am going to divorce her. And see, it is a divorce because they are technically married. Okay? Even though they're not living together, there's no ceremony. They are technically married, so it is a divorce. So he says, you know, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm just going to get this over with. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. I don't want to hurt her. But, but this is something I've got to do. Now, that seems he's going above and beyond. He's really being a good guy here. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to confront the ghosts that he has in the present. And we do the same thing. When the ghosts of the present hit us, we try to confront them. And we try to confront them really in maybe three different ways. One way we try to confront them is that we just get angry. We get bitter. We get angry uh, at the situation that has come upon us in life. And you've met people in your life, you know within five minutes, they are having a bad day. Something has happened to them today, and their reaction to confronting the ghost of their present is that they're just going to be grumpy all day long. They're having a bad day. They are bitter at what has happened. Some people not only get bitter, some people just get self-consumed, okay? All I can think about is myself. I can't think about anybody else. My problems are so big. What is hitting me is so overwhelming. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear about your problems. I don't care who won the ball game. All I can think about is myself. All right, I go back. We're in Kentucky. They do care who won the ball game, you know. Uh, but, and that just causes more of that cycle of, uh, of being bitter and everything when, when, you, when you get into that. But, but regardless, you know, uh, here, here they are. So, so you, you react by being bitter. Another way we often react uh, is that we just tune out. We don't get bitter. We just close off. We just give up. Okay, then I, then I just give up. And you've met people in the exact same way, people who are just going through the motions, trying to get through the day. They're no longer living. They're no longer enjoying life. They're just basically existing. You know, we were created by God in his image. Adam and Eve were our, were our forebears, and we look back, they were walking in paradise. And you look at some people and the way they're living today, and you think, oh, Adam, what's happened to you? You were created with such power and such glory, and we just, life has beat us down to the extent we just try to get by. And the third thing that we do uh, when we try to confront the ghosts of our our present is, is that, well, what we try to do is we try to find some solution. And one of the solutions sometimes people look to is religion. Well, I'll start going to church. You know, maybe that, that will help me here in this situation. Or I'll look at different faiths. You know, uh, maybe I'll look at a different church. I, I went to my church. I, it didn't help, so I'll go to another church. Or I'll try a different religion or a different philosophy of life. Maybe I'll try to lose weight. Uh, I, I'll get a new career going. We try to find something to confront the ghosts of our present. As a matter of fact, I did a Google search, and there were 99 million 99 million articles on self-help. I then went to Amazon and said, how many self-help books are there on Amazon? 600,000 self-help books on Amazon. And what are people doing? It's not that those things are all bad or anything, but it's saying we're trying to find answers to confront the ghosts of our present. So what we see is we all have ghosts of our present. The next thing that we see is we are trying to find ways to confront the ghosts of our present. And brings us to the last thing that we see. Jesus gives us direction and courage. He is the true freedom from our ghosts. True freedom from our ghosts found in Jesus and Jesus only. 
So here's Joseph. He's a good guy. He's a righteous guy. He's made the best decision he could make. I'm not going to embarrass Mary. I'm just going to go through this. Now he has decided he's not going to marry Mary. You might want to write that down too. And I wrote a song about it. Who wants to hear it? Mary, Mary, where are you going to? Mary. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So he's not going to marry Mary. He's made that decision. We're not, we're not even videoing today. I mean, that, that was all wasted effort up there. So anyway, he's not going to do that. He's not going to perform. The, he's not going to go through the marriage. He's doing the best he can. Here's the problem. Even though he's doing the best he can, it wasn't what God wanted him to do. So when you're confronting your ghosts out of God being involved, you can often mess up even when you're trying to do the right thing. And that's where the ghosts of our present have to be confronted through Jesus. And he's the answer to them. Now, as our scripture goes forward, it tells us three things about how Jesus confronts the ghosts of our present. The first is this. Jesus gives us direction and courage for our fears. He gives us direction and courage for our fears. So here's Joseph trying to make the best decision he can. He goes to bed at night. His mind is racing. And suddenly in a dream, an angel appears to him. Look at verse 20. But after he considered these things, in other words, he's, that's all he can think about. You know, After he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. All of us are looking for direction in life. What, what do I need to do in this situation? I've got this problem. How do I handle it? I need to make this big decision. What's going on? Now, you can look to self-help books. You can talk to counselors. You can talk to wise people. And I'd say you probably need to do all of those things. But the first place you need to go for direction in your life is to Jesus. Jesus came so that we would have that, that, that counselor, that mighty God to go to, to direct us, to help us. Here is Joseph trying to do the right thing, but it wasn't God's will. What if he did what he thought was best and divorced Mary quietly? Then he would not have been a part of the coming of the Messiah himself. Because, see, we don't always know the big picture. God sees a bigger picture of this world than you do. And until we can look at it through God's prism and God's eyes and see God's direction, we're never going to have all the right answers. So the first place to go when you have problems and you need direction and courage for those problems is you need to go to Jesus. I was reading an interesting article this week about a guy by the name of Derwin Gray who used to play for the Indianapolis Colts. Do we have any Indianapolis Colts fans in here? I knew we had one row of Indianapolis Colts fans. As the season goes on, they become less. How uh, does that? But, <laughs> he doesn't like the new seating. Uh, but, but Derwin Gray played for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he, he had a very unusual childhood, grew up, uh, his, his mom and dad, very devout Jehovah Witnesses. He then went to Brigham Young University, uh, which was a strongly Mormon school. And he said, by the time he got out of Brigham Young, he was about as confused with God as you could be and just decided to turn it all off. He didn't care because his whole life was football. And all he's going to think about was football. And his wife told him at one point, Hey, you know, don't we need to start looking 
uh, at life in a little bit different way. And, and Derwin Gray said, well, you know, I, I don't know. You know, life is all about football to me. Football is going to take us into retirement. Football is going to do everything that we need to do. I, I'm starting. I'm doing well. I'm going to be all pro. And he said his life began to change when what he called the naked preacher came into his life. That is the naked preacher right there, Steve Grant. He said that he would get uh, three-wood practice, and Steve Grant always uh, had the locker next to him. And Steve Grant would come out of the locker room, out of the shower, and he was, of course, always naked when you come out of the shower. I don't know how you all shower. That's how he did. So he'd always come out of the shower naked, and every time he would come out, he would walk up to Derwin Gray, and he'd say, Rookie Gray, do you have Jesus Christ in your life, my friend? And he'd say, hey, man, I'm just trying to get dressed, okay? You know, that's, that's good. And the naked preacher would keep going. And he'd say, rookie Gray, are you ready to really live a life for Christ? And he'd say, look, I'm a good guy. He'd say, you're a good guy, rookie Gray. Do you know no one is righteous before the Lord? No, not one. And that includes you, rookie Gray. And, and he said, he did this for five years. And after five years... Derwin Gray got injured. And every time he tried to come back, he would re-injure himself again until his entire career seemed to be in the balance and he was only 27 years old. And everything he thought and had planned for the future wasn't going to happen. And he said, I remember one day after practice, he was sitting there and he was looking down because he wasn't able to get through practice and the naked preacher came up and sat down next to him. And he said to him, hey, Derwin, is it time you started talking about Jesus Christ and looking at him? And he looked over at him and he said, Steve, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what my family is going to do if I don't have this salary in this football. And he said, yeah, but Jesus knows what you're going to do. And so together they began to talk and pray. Derwin Gray gave his life to Christ. By the end of that season, he was no longer in the NFL. His injuries were too severe. And so Derwin Gray started a church in South Carolina where he was from, a multi-ethnic, multicultural church that is a church of several thousand people today, uh, all because he followed God's direction in life. This is a picture of Gray and his family right here. Uh, he's a part of Transformation Church. Uh, he started that in South Carolina. God giving us direction and courage for our fears. God does a second thing, though. Jesus gives us victory over our sins. Look at verse 21. So Joseph is told that Mary is going to give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So not only is Joseph told this child is from God, he's told what to name the child, and he's to name the child Jesus. Now, the name Jesus is simply the Greek for the Hebrew name Joshua, okay? So he says, you're to name the child Joshua in Hebrew. You're to name him Jesus. And Joshua or Jesus means the Lord saves, okay? That's what it means, the Lord saves. So he's told, you're to name the child the Lord saves because he's going to save the people from their sins. So if you want to know how Jesus does away with the ghosts of the present, one thing he does is he gives you direction in your, in your current troubles and problems. The second thing is that he gives you forgiveness for your sins, the things that are going on in your life right now. 
the times you're messing up, the things that you're doing that are wrong. He provides the forgiveness for your sins. He would do that by going to the cross, dying in your place upon the cross, taking your sins upon him. So Jesus is providing for us forgiveness of sins. Now, this is a little bit different than the forgiveness of sins we talked about last week in the past. Last week when we talked about past sins, we talked about regret and shame and guilt. But I think this time when we're talking about the ghost of the present, when it comes to our sins, what we're talking about is more quality of life today. How the sins in your life, your current problems from sin and trouble, how they're making your life less than it should be right now. That's the problem we have with sin in the present. Sin of the past is the guilt and the shame. The sin of the present is it's lowering the quality of your life. It's making your life less than your life should be. So whatever those sins are in your life right now, it's holding you down and you know, you, you know your life isn't what it's supposed to be. And so you look at yourself and you say, man, you know, I'm just in this, in this cycle of doing this thing and then feeling bad about it and then trying to do something else and then it goes back again and your life is less because of it. Maybe you're dealing with anger and that current anger in the present is, is clouding everything. Every time you try to have a conversation with somebody, you get angry or something like that. And the current present situation is that sin is lowering your life, making your life less. And so what we're being told here is that the answer to that is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the current present sins in our life to raise the quality of our life by forgiving us, by restoring us, and giving us a new direction. No longer is your life about battling your sin. Your life is now about loving other people and doing the best you can in this world to care and to love others. And so your life takes on a different focus. Jesus is there to give us victory over our sins. And we talked about the Indianapolis Colts. Anybody here a Dallas Cowboy fan? Look at that. One person in the far back. Okay. People, become, every time they win a game, we get more Cowboy fans, I, I've noticed, you know, and everything like that. Jason Witten is an all-pro tight end. He's been named all-pro 10 years uh, during his NFL career. And if you're a Washington Redskins fan, I apologize for that picture uh, that's up on the screen. Jason Witten grew up in a very abusive home as a child. And uh, he said that his father was, was, was violently abusive, would, would beat his mom, would beat him. Uh, by the time he got in the eighth grade, he tried to challenge his dad. His dad was a big guy, as you could imagine, and would just, would just beat Jason to a pulp. And finally, when he was going into the ninth grade, uh, his mom took a really bad beating from the dad, grabbed Jason, and they fled the house. Luckily, Jason was a good football player at that age already. So the high school coach took him in. Nice of him to, to take them in. But one thing he said they had to do, they had to go to church with him. Jason said, I was the angriest young man you'd ever seen in your life. He said, I was good at football for one reason. I got to hit people and hit them hard. And he said, man, I love that. That let it all out of me. And he said, one day in church, the pastor said, if you want God to forgive you, you need to learn how to forgive other people. And he said that really made him angry because he hated his dad with a passion. The present, he's not talking about past regrets or abuse. In the present, he hated his dad with a passion. And he said he went home and he was just so angry. And the coach pulled him aside and said, Jason, what is wrong with you today? And he said, I can tell you one thing. I'm never going to forgive my dad. I hate him more than I can hate anybody in this entire world. 
And he said, the, the coach sat down, put his arm around him and said, Jason, God knows how much you're hurting and how angry you are. And he wants to forgive all of that in your heart. He wants to restore you and bring you into a place of love. And Jason said he began to cry, and he looked up and he said, I'm going to forgive my dad. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Jason Witten today is doing something really neat. He has started a foundation called the SCORE Foundation. It's just for abused children. But more than that, they hold a major football camp every year. And he gets the biggest names in football to come to this camp. He's had Peyton Manning and Marshawn Lynch and all these people show up at this camp. And he gives all of the high school students scholarships to go to college. And you have to be a child who was abused to be at this football camp. And what he's doing is he's saying, I'm taking my hurts and I'm trying to do something with them for the glory of God. Jesus handles the sins of the present. And that brings us to the last thing that we see as we wrap up here today. Jesus gives us comfort and strength in our troubles. Comfort and strength in our troubles. Look at verse 22. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord spoke through the prophet. A virgin will be with child, give birth to a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Quotes Isaiah seven fourteen here. He says, this child is going to be God with us. He's going to be Emmanuel. The last thing Jesus does to remove the ghost of your present is that he is present with you right now. He's there right now. He's not going to leave you alone. This is the mistake we think of when we deal with God. We think if I believe in God, I'm never going to have any problems anymore. God will take all of my problems away. And so then we have problems and we say, well, I was trying to be a good person. And why do I still have problems? Why doesn't God love me? God's not upholding his end of the bargain. And the fact of the matter is, I don't know where we've ever come up with this idea that if you believe in God, you don't have any problems. But I know one place you didn't get it. You didn't get it in the Bible. Okay. Uh, the Bible says when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he walks through it with you. Doesn't say there's no valley of death that feels like it's killing you. It says when you walk through it, he walks through it with you. What it says in Matthew 1 is now because of Jesus, he will be called Emmanuel, God with you. It doesn't mean God who takes away every problem. It means in every problem and trouble that you have, God is on your side. God is with you. God will help you through the dark valley. He doesn't take the dark valley away. He leads you through the dark valley. And that's how Jesus does away with the ghosts of the present. Because we know there is no problem, no trouble that will ever hit us that is greater than Jesus and his presence with us. So he's going to deal with our sins. He's going to give us direction. And he's going to be our present help when troubles come. One of the things they're trying at children's hospitals in Australia right now is what's called therapy dogs. And at this children's hospital, they've taken dogs to the, to the patients who are the sickest. And this is what they found. The patients that have therapy dogs are getting better and healing at a 30% higher rate. Now, that is off the charts astounding. One simple addition, a therapy dog causes children to have a 30% increase in healing. And if you want to know why, look at these three pictures I have right here. 
what causes the healing just from the picture you're looking at right now? You have a child who is undergoing such traumatic things, but suddenly there's a little peace, there's a little love, there's a little care and hope, all because that dog is there. For the ghosts of your present, that's what Jesus is in your life. He is your present hope, help, care, and love. Jesus handles the ghosts of our present. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us so much. I just pray, Lord, that you will help us to realize that for the ghosts of our present, you are there to meet each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.